Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. And away we go with the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo show, lots of coaching news today, but the Suns are in action tonight as well, we've got some college basketball to talk about, a lot to get to, so let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. Today is reportedly the day the Cardinals will interview Sean Payton for head coach. In fact, there's nothing reported about it. I'm looking at Cameron Cox's Twitter account. He is with Channel 12. He's got footage of Sean Payton arriving. He's tweeted out a photo of Sean Payton and Michael Bidwell departing the facility. Gambo, Sean Payton is interviewing for the Cardinals job today, and it would appear, based off of some of the reports going on around the rest of the NFL, it might be the Cardinals are bust when it comes to Sean Payton if he wants to be a coach. Oh, there it is. Cameron Cox with the with the photo of the two of them together. Michael Bidwell and Sean Payton looking at that now, okay? Listen, yeah. I, I think, you know, there was a lot of talk over the last couple of days, like, oh, there's nothing left. He's going to have to go back to Fox. There's no jobs out there. Well, now that uh, some of the big names have been taken off the board for the Arizona Cardinals, not that he's a fallback plan. He never would have been. But why not? Why not Sean Payton in the Arizona Cardinals? Why not make that happen? Yeah, no, the only reason why not, one, would be money, and and that's not an issue for you and me. That's Michael's money. If he's got it, he should pay it. Now, of course, he's you know got Cliff that he still has to pay. The other is draft pick compensation, and, and it's will the Saints budge? Have the Saints budge? Do, do the Saints realize that they might not get the haul they thought they were going to get for Sean Payton, and they need to kind of recalibrate their expectations a little bit? Those are the two big reasons why not, but it does seem as if they've spent most of the day with each other. We'll see what happens with that. Now, one of the names the Cardinals were linked to was swooped up today. Carolina Panthers hired Frank Reich as their new head coach. Yes. One of the other names the Cardinals were linked to, Dan Quinn, has also been eliminated. He announced today that he is staying as defensive coordinator in Dallas. Yeah, Steve Wilkes, I thought he had a really good chance of getting that job, but they go to Frank Reich, who ironically was the very first quarterback in Carolina's history. He went 0-3 before he got replaced by Kerry Collins as the starting quarterback in Carolina. The big news is Dan Quinn, who had three teams that were very interested in him, and he's saying, I'm going to go back and I'm going to stay with Dallas, and then Kellen Moore, who didn't get the Carolina job, the OC, even though Dallas has fired like five coaches, they may be able to bring back both their offensive and defensive coordinators. The thing with Quinn, I can't get out of my head. Did he know he wasn't going to get any of the head coaching jobs, or does he know he's going to get the Dallas head coaching job a year from now? I mean, how or, or how could he... you know that? What if Mike McCarthy wins the Super Bowl next year? I, I, like, I, how I, could I, you I know that? <laughs> I, 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 you could couldn't. No, you couldn't know that. I just I'm trying to think in in my head why Dan Quinn would say no to being a head coach this year. It just doesn't. He had you know, a unless, second interview with the Cardinals. Unless, I know, unless none of those teams decided that they were going to hire him, and he kind of had a feeling that he was going to strike out on all three. It seems to me that you're better off being a head coach now than waiting for a gig that you might not get a year from now. Listen, I, he, like you said, though, if you don't think you're going to get any of those jobs, if you're being told you're not going to get any of those jobs. It's better to pull your name out of it so a lot so nobody really knows that and it looks like you just decided to stay instead of you not getting a job the NBA picked tonight's Suns game to be a part of Rivalry Week. It's been going on all week in the NBA with their nationally televised games. It's Suns-Mavs for the third time this season. DeAndre Ayton will make his return from that non-COVID illness as the Suns look to win their fifth straight game. Cam Johnson, he talked yesterday about the Mavs and the rivalry and how it feels a little different. 
Yeah, I think anytime somebody does that to you in a game seven on your home court, you feel some type of way just as a competitor. Also, it is another game. Every game at NBA is a, is a fun opportunity. Is the way you got to look at it. It's always fun when the Suns and the Mavs get together. It brings back bad memories, but it's always fun when they get together. Yeah, there's no question. This Mavs team has really struggled defensively without Maxi Kleber and uh, they had Dorian Finney-Smith out for a long time. It's like, keep your eye on the Mavs. I think that you know they could trade Dorian Finney-Smith at the trade deadline next week, and I don't think that they are planning to win the championship this year. I'll go for it, but I think that their goal is to get to the offseason and try to spend money or and draft picks on a big-time player that could become available. Then, of course, I buried the lead. You've got the big news on the Suns, and that's about Devin Booker and a return that could happen very soon. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, today that, that he is expected back sometime next week. Now, they've got to evaluate him again. They've got a game against Toronto on Monday, Atlanta on Wednesday. Then they play back-to-back on the road, starting with the Celtics on Friday. So I would think he's going to be back for one of those games. I would sh- I would say it's probably more likely Atlanta on Wednesday because that's when they're scheduled to like evaluate him again. If everything goes good, they'll let him play in that game. If not, maybe it's the Celtics game on Friday. But I expect that next week, Devin Booker will be back in the Suns lineup. So another news from around the NFL, per Tom Palacero of the NFL Network with Frank Reich now head, hired as head coach in Carolina. Steve Wilkes does intend to coach elsewhere. There's a report that his lawyer has issued a statement that he's not very pleased he didn't get the job in Carolina. But obviously finishing with a 6-6 six and six record with that team and getting them on the doorstep of getting into the playoffs, you would assume Wilkes would be a sought-after commodity. But there's this suggestion kind of lingering that maybe he wasn't happy about not getting the head coaching job in Carolina and might be prepared to do something about that, depending. Like what? Like a lawsuit, possibly. I don't know for sure. I'm just oh, I'm looking at a statement from Brian Flores and Steve Wilkes's lawyer. Quote, oh, wow. we are shocked and disturbed after the incredible job Coach Wilkes did as the interim coach, including bringing the team into playoff contention and garnering the support of the players and fans that he was passed over for the head coaching position by David Tepper. There is a legitimate race problem in the NFL, and we can assure you we will have more to say in the coming days. Wow. I don't know what that means, wow. but that's the statement that was issued by Steve Wilkes' attorney. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, Steve Wilkes' lawyer said there's a legitimate race problem in the NFL after they hired Frank Reich over. He did a good job. He did a good job. I thought he was going to get the head coaching job. I did. I thought he was going to get the head coaching job, and they decided to go with Frank Reich, an offensive guy over a defensive guy. Listen, make no mistake about this. Steve Wilkes is going to be a defensive coordinator in this league this year. He is a good defensive coordinator. He'll get hired, but I, it, it, it might be legitimate. He did a really good job, and the players all liked him, and, and, and a lot of them wanted him to stay on as coach. All right, meanwhile, from the NFL playoffs, Kyle Shanahan says today that Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell won't practice again today, but Debo Samuel will be limited in practice as well as they get ready to take on the Eagles. Christian McCaffrey, for what it's worth, Gambo says there is a zero chance he is not playing because of that calf injury. Yeah, I, I I would expect with him saying that that he's you know not practicing but planning on playing. I mean he's got a calf injury. You'll heal it. You'll you'll do work on it. You'll get treatment on it. And you'll do everything you can to make sure that you're good to go. And and part of that is not practicing on a day like today. Patrick Mahomes felt his first practice with an ankle injury went, quote, better than he expected, close quote. Obviously, we're all watching that ankle closely, Gambo, to see how it does. Yeah, can he pivot? Can he throw the deep ball on it? Can he run outside the pocket? Can he cut on it? 
you know, seeing him walk away from a press conference, you may be like, oh, look, he looks pretty good. But that is that that is nothing to do with nothing. how he plays in a football game. Both U of A and ASU men's basketball in action late tonight. Both are up in the state of Washington. Sixth ranked U of A is taking on Washington State. The Sun Devils are taking on the Washington Huskies. We'll have the ASU Washington game for you on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. We're kind of going into a tenuous time for ASU men's basketball. They need wins. They need to stay off this bubble. That was not a good homestand for them losing both games to the to the California schools, UCLA and USC. Um, they, they fought hard against UCLA, gave it a great game, but then got blown out by USC. They're definitely a bubble team right now, and yeah, they're going to have to start winning some, you know, some games, especially some of these road games, or they're going to find themselves needing to do some damage in the Pac-12 tournament. And then quickly, some storylines from the Western Conference in the NBA. Anthony Davis returned for the Lakers off the bench last night. Steph Curry got ejected against Memphis. Throwing that mouthpiece. Did you see that that mouthpiece? Oh, I saw that. He was pissed. He threw that mouthpiece. Why are you kicking me out of the game? AD coming back was interesting off the bench. That's the only game they expect that he's going to be off the bench. They expect he'll start their, uh, their next game. I'm telling you, the Warriors and the Grizzlies are turning into a nice little rivalry right there. That, those two teams do not like each other. They do not Damian, like each other. They do not. And then finally Damian Lillard just needed 29 shot attempts and 10 free throw attempts to score 60 last night. That puts him in very elite company. Only two other players, Carl Malone in 1990 and James Harden in 2019, have reached 60 points on fewer shot attempts than the 29 that Dame Lillard yeah, only, last night. Only, very impressive. Only one player has scored 60 with fewer than 10 free throw attempts. That was Rick Barry, who they didn't want to put on a free throw line because he had that underhand free throw. Yep. That was uh, really good. Hey, I want to mention one more thing real quick. Um, Don Ketchum, one of the former, one of the first Diamondback beat writers for the Arizona Republic, sadly passed away today. I saw that yeah. from a Bob McManaman tweet earlier this morning, and I know Kent Summers now on Twitter has a story up at AZ Central about catch. And, and for those of us who have been in the industry a long time, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm seeing a picture of Don Ketchum. And, man, I haven't seen Don in a long, long time. Uh, our condolences to his family. Um, for 45 years, he covered sports at the Republic, the Gazette, the Arizona Interscholastic Association. Um, he catches somebody I think we all knew in this industry for all the years that we've been in it, and we certainly express our condolences to yeah, his family. Yeah, sad story to lose one of the one of the uh, one of the original ones. Yes, and he was still actually covering some high school sports to this day. He was sixty nine years old, so tough loss. That is absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the first domino has fallen in the coaching carousel. So, what does it mean for the Arizona Cardinals? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Sean Payton. Update. 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 We mentioned this during the 4 o'clock reset. We have to mention it again. We have to give credit to Cameron Cox over at 12 News, 12 Sports. He, um, and man... Again, well, I know we're not in the same room together. You're back there in the studio. I'm working from home today. But I know you've seen the picture of Sean Payton and Michael Bidwell walking out of the Cardinals facility Yeah, I, Cam was, what, up in a tree or hiding in a uh, bush? I mean, that's pretty I good. No, I have no I, idea where he was. I but. love Cam Cox. What a great, whatever you got to do to get the photo, right? I think he was up in a tree. 
when he took that thing. It looks like he was Nobody on ground level, but but look how close that car is in the foreground. Yeah. He might have been hiding behind he was in a, a bush. tire well or something. He yeah, might have been in, in yeah. He was in camouflage. That's great. He was pretending. You know, all you got to do is pretend you're like 5G these days, right? They do it with like, it looks like a cactus, but it's really not, you know? Exactly, right? Just put a bunch of wires coming out of you. Sure, yeah, yeah, Just stand there with a bunch of wires coming out, and people just think you're 5G. Oh, look, uh, good job by him, whatever he had to do to get those, uh, those photos in the video. So he tweeted out a, f- a photo, breaking, and the interview continues. Michael Bidwell and Sean Payton just left in Bidwell's car after spending all day at the Cardinals practice facility. More coming up on 12 News at 5, 12 Sports AZ. And we want to give Cam all the credit in the world because, and we're, I swear, we're just poking a little fun. We're not mocking at all because this, uh, what I was going to say was, Gamble, I look at this picture, and I swear to God I'm having Peyton Manning flashbacks. I, I, I seem to remember oh, wow. totally, yeah. a very similar picture of Peyton Manning standing in a very similar spot and thinking, oh my God, look at that. Look at that. There's Peyton Manning right there, right? And I'm, so I'm trying not to get too excited about this, knowing how that ended. It's just a meeting. It was just an interview. The Cardinals have done bunches of them. But it does feel like that on today, the day where two coaching candidates for the Cardinals, we can scratch them off the list, Dan Quinn, no, Frank Reich, no. It does feel like that if Sean Payton is going to coach this year in the NFL, the Cardinals might be, I don't know about his only option, but it might be his best option at this point. I'm not exactly sure how to read this right now. It might be his only option. I mean, this might be it. I mean, you might get his best pitch right now because it's either this or go back to Fox. Look, he wants to coach. And I don't know how much Fox is paying him, but if he can get $15 million or so as a head coach here, and, and maybe the price tag comes down a little bit, I'm still fascinated more than anything by the compensation. Because, listen, I'm all for hiring Sean Payton over any of these guys if you don't have to give up a first-round pick. I'll take Sean, I'll take Sean Payton over everybody if you don't have to give up a first-rounder. Um, now, if you can go to New Orleans and say, listen, here's what I'll give you if not we're going to go in a different direction. Then I'm fine with that. Let you know, you know, play that game. You know, now New Orleans might say, if you want him that bad, you'll give us what we want. But you'd be like, no, actually, no. There's there's some good quality coaching candidates out there. I've got I've got no problem. I'm not going to give you a first if you're demanding a first. I will go in a different direction and then leave it up to New Orleans. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I still think that it. Pro- I would think right now it comes down to Brian Flores or Sean Payton. Yeah, and as you said earlier, and it was a good point that you brought up, if they loved Brian Flores so much, you would have thought they would have just hired him on the spot. Now, you kind of have Flores in your pocket, so to speak, in that there hasn't been a ton of demand for him on the head coaching market. Now, Brian Flores did today just complete a defensive coordinator's interview with the Minnesota Vikings, and he's had a couple of those so far, okay? But as far as head coaching opportunities, I believe it's only been the Cardinals for him. I don't think there's anybody else who's spoken to him. So the Cardinals might feel like we like Brian Flores a lot. We'd be very happy with him and his, as our coach. And since we don't have any real competition for his services at this point, let's explore. Let's take our time. Let's really kind of work this out and see what we want to do. Now, as far as Peyton's concerned, there's a report out there from a Washington Post NFL reporter that the Broncos have kind of cooled on Sean Payton because there's some concern about uh, a, a disagreement with owners, a power struggle within the ownership group of the Denver Broncos, and Peyton might be kind of leery of that job.
job. Obviously, he's not going to Carolina because of Frank Reich. He got hired there today. Obviously, he's not going to the Colts. That's the one team that hasn't spoken to him. The Texans are still out there for Sean Payton. I haven't heard anything new about that. But with all of this you know, kind of momentum now with him being in town, it really does beg the question. If the Cardinals called up the Saints and said, look, I know what you wanted. What, here's what we're willing to give you. We're willing to give you the 36th pick overall in the draft, 35th pick overall in the draft, whatever that second rounder is. We are willing to give you that for Sean Payton. You can't tell me the Saints are going to say no to that? What's, this, what's, the, say, what's, the, what's the Rolling Stones song? Can't always get what you want, but some, if you try real hard, you'll get what you sometimes, need? Sometimes you, you find you get what you, you get need. What you need. Absolutely. He, here's what backfired on Sean Payton. I'll tell you right now. What backfired on him was that Sean McVay decided to stick with the Rams. The Chargers decided to stick with Brandon Staley, and Mike McCarthy's still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's be honest, because if any of those pro- if any of those jobs opened up, he would have been at the top of the list. Okay, because of how because of how you know the Rams just won a Super Bowl, they're not hiring a Giro Evero. Right? They're, they're going after Sean Payton if McVay leaves. The Chargers with Justin Herbert, if Brandon Staley got fired, they're going after Sean Payton, and if McCarthy got fired, Jerry Jones is making a big splash. What back? Backfired on Sean Payton is McVay staying in football with the Rams, the Chargers staying with Staley, and the Cowboys staying with McCarthy. It just backfired on him because at least one of those was expected to open up, and none of the three did. Now, maybe with that in mind, and I do not think you're wrong at all, with that in mind, now if you're Sean Payton, you say, okay, I can go back to Fox, I can make another cool $10 million, and I'm working like one day every week for six months, and I can do whatever I want. Is that how much he makes a year? I believe it's $10 million. I think I read it somewhere it's $10 million Jeez. with Fox. Oh, it's insane. He's it's not insane. even that good on TV. Uh, I, I know. He's, I, I think somebody fact-checked me on this. I believe I read his salary with Fox is about $10 million per year. When you think about how little he works, how sweet of a gig is that, right? He's on, I don't know what he does during the week, but I, he's on every Sunday during the football season. Maybe he does some other stuff for FS1, weekly appearances on this guy's show or that guy's show, but that's about it. That's about it. He's making $10 million a year for that. I, mean, I don't know why you'd want to go back to coaching. <laughs> right? Because you'd really want to, I suppose. So he goes back and he does that for one more year with the idea that the next cycle, there will be a much better job available. He's still There'll in be a contract much better- with New Orleans, though. Well, he, he does, but remember, and you're right, but remember what that guy from New Orleans told us, what was it, yesterday, less, the day before? Less leverage with a year, with yep. only a year left instead of two, but still, I mean, he can't go anywhere unless you can agree to compensation with New Orleans. Unless you wait two years, then, he's at, then that contract expires and then there's no compensation. Here's what we know about today. We know Dan Quinn is off the list. He has informed teams he's going back to Dallas as the defensive coordinator. We know that Frank Reich is off the list. He got hired as the head coach in Carolina, as you mentioned during the reset. The first quarterback to ever throw a touchdown pass in Carolina Panther history is now their head coach. And so those are two names that we can just say, it's not going to be him, it's not going to be him. At this point, it feels like it's down to Brian Flores, Sean Payton, and I suppose you could put Vance Joseph on the list. The other guys, I just have not seen or heard any traction on Aaron Glenn, Ijiro Aviro, D'Amico Ryans hasn't even interviewed with the Cardinals. Unless there's a new name that comes to the front that we haven't heard about yet, 
it seems like it's down to one of those three guys for the job. Maybe I'm misreading the putt. That's kind of how it feels like from here. Well, the Texans did have a second interview with the Vero, but like there is a thought that maybe they're going to hire D'Amico Ryans. The Colts did have a second interview with, with the Giro of Vero as well. So that's two teams that you know, had interviews with him. So maybe maybe he does get one of those jobs. Maybe. I mean, I mean listen, maybe. I would imagine listen, I think the Texans either go D'Amico Ryan's or Zero Evero. I think the Texans are gonna go with one of those two. The Colts, I mean, maybe Evero gets it if they talk the owner out of wanting to keep Jeff Saturday. Yeah, or or I I saw Eric Bieniemy's name with them as well. It it seems like in Indianapolis, Jeff uh, John Urs, Jim Ursay, pardon me, really wants uh, Jeff Saturday to get the job, and everybody in this football operations department is trying to talk him out of it. That's kind of the latest as we know it. We'll keep you updated on this, and we'll see what other pictures Cam Cox has to provide from whatever bushes he's hiding behind and wherever he's trailing everybody around. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the Suns are streaking. Meanwhile, their opponent is in trouble, and that could be good news for the Suns. That's next, Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, I know earlier in the show, Gambo asked for a poll question. I don't know if he got it. Gambo usually gets what he wants here on the Burns and Gambo show, so I can only imagine we've got a poll question up there. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day and see if we can find out the answer to this question. Guys? Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Our question, Bruce, what you got for us? Our question of the day, courtesy of Mr. John Gambadoro, is how many players currently on the Arizona Cardinals roster would you consider untouchable? No choices, but the four is yours. <laughs> one, like I said, one. Hmm. Um. Look, I'm going to say two, only because I think Kyler's contract makes him untouchable. I don't think you could, even if you wanted to. But I know that's not the spirit of the question that Gambo intended. I I did notice somebody's answer on Twitter about this, and I kind of liked it. Like, man, if you've only got one, you really have none. You know, like if you vote, if if one is all you've got. What kind of roster is there worth not blowing up if you only have one untouchable player on I mean, the entire be, roster? He, because there's other reasons, right? Like there are okay, Buddha Baker. I mean, we, we saw this in the the Hard Knocks. Like he exemplifies everything you want in a football player: his work ethic, his determination, his ability. He's going to help many players. Like you don't trade Buddha Baker just because you don't have you don't have seven guys. That you want to build around you, you keep him, and you because he could have a major impact on a lot. You know, a losing culture sucks, but if you have a guy like that, it could really help you overcome part of that losing culture while you're rebuilding. Yeah, I, I, I think. Look, for me, Buda Baker's untouchable, even if he's the only one you've got. Because I, I just think the message it would send to the locker room, the message it would send to the fan base, the message it would send to the organization is just you just can't go there. You just can't go down that road and expect people to respond the way you want them to respond. So uh, I, I and we'll tell you why we're talking about this a little later on in the show. Basically, it was a suggestion from an NFL writer that the Cardinals blow it up, and Gambo and I agree with that. Blow it up, blow it up. But he even included trade Buda Baker in that, and I ain't trading Buda Baker. No way. No, no way. No way. No, sir. I, right. There's no so, way they'll do that. 
Uh, Ruby, you had you had. Were you going to read some some yeah, responses? I mean, look, to if us you or, go into the comments, it's just all Buddha, 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 Buddha. But a couple other names that have been in there. Obviously, Kyler Murray comes up a lot, even with the injury. People are saying that he's a leader, but some people saying not Kyler at all. Some saying Zach Allen. He is up for a contract this summer. Byron Murphy also getting a couple mentions as well. So Buddha, Buddha, are, Buddha, rocking everywhere on this one. Something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Those are all good players. But untouchable? I mean, like, we will not, we have to bring this person back at all costs, no matter what? I mean, I like Zach Allen. He's a good player. Byron Murphy's flashed. He's he had a hard time staying on the field. But are all of those guys completely indispensable when it comes to creating a great football team? No. I don't know. And I think that Gambo, more than anything, that just speaks to the problem around here, is that there is just not nearly enough elite talent on this football team. Not even close. And that's why they're starting over. That's, that's why they got a new general manager. Yeah, and sure, of course. A new yep. GM and a new assistant Dave Sears from the Lions, a new assistant GM. Absolutely. They got to nail these drafts. You got to do a better job at nailing the drafts, getting young talent Good in job. here. It's a young man's game. No doubt about it. All right, Suns, thank you, uh, Eric. We appreciate that. You can find the poll question on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Suns at home tonight against the Mavs. It's a late start because of a national TV audience. 8 o'clock tip time. All part of rivalry week in the NBA. The NBA decided, certainly why not, after that seven-game series they played last May, that these two are now officially rivals in the NBA. Good news for the Suns. Aiton is back tonight. The better news for the Suns comes from Gambo. Devin Booker is expected back at some point next week. When, we don't exactly know, but at some point next week, you're expecting Devin Booker to return to the Phoenix Suns. Yes, I'm expecting that Devin Booker will be back from what I'm hearing next week. Uh, There are four games next week. so uh, There are two home games and two road games. They do play Monday and Wednesday. Now, there was word from the Suns that they'd reevaluate him on Wednesday. It's possible he gets reevaluated Wednesday and cleared to play in that game against Atlanta. So that's a possibility. Now, if not, then you've got a Friday game against the Boston Celtics on the road. So I would expect he's back for one of those games. I would lean to Wednesday. I would lean towards the Wednesday game. Uh, but if not, then maybe Friday. But yeah, there are. I'm expecting that he will be back in the lineup for Phoenix next week from what I'm hearing. Barring a setback, of course, because a setback would obviously change that. But the way things are going right now, I expect he's going to play get him back keep him back keep everybody back i know it's a big ask see what the suns can do after that now they're taking on a mavericks team tonight that's going through their own set of struggles right now they've lost seven of their last nine games and it's it's been a grind for them they are clumped in with everybody else in the western conference in the same group that the suns are clumped in right now when it comes to the standings The, the biggest problem for them lately has been their defense and frankly it's been their problem all season long their defensive rating is 26th in the nba the only four teams that are worse than them are four of the worst teams in all of the NBA. Charlotte, Houston, Detroit, San Antonio. The Mavericks are playing defense so bad, normally it's reserved for a bottom five team in the NBA. I think that speaks to Luka. I think that speaks to how much he's been carrying them and getting them through these bad defensive games. I'll tell you another stat to keep in mind with this team. The clutch free throw shooting they're one of the worst in the NBA. I when know, the game last is like five, five minutes of the game. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, they're like 65% free throw shooters when it's under five minutes and when it's closer 
closer than five points. They're shooting 65% from the free throw line. Yeah, I saw that number, and I just couldn't believe that they were shooting that poorly. Think about how bad that is, 65% from the free throw line in, in that time frame. So, you know, even Luka missed a go-ahead foul shot with 12 seconds remaining the other day in the game. So, listen, I think getting guys back will be key for them. The main guy, honestly, it sounds crazy, but Maxi Kleber is such a big part of what they do and expecting to get him back very, uh, very soon. And like I said, I think that they could be open to trading. Uh, when Instead of adding, they could look to subtract. If somebody wants to give up a draft pick for Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe they move him. I think next year in the offseason, this summer, the, with all their draft picks available, they may go after a, a big-time player. You know, whether that's a Zach Levine or an OG Ananobi, somebody like that to pair with the Beluka. That's always been the plan, was to go get somebody this summer to pair with Luca. If you look at the loss column, all right, just the loss column in the NBA's Western Conference, this is how tight everything is. Um, the Pelicans right now are number four. They've got 23 losses on the season. The Los Angeles Lakers are number 13. They've got 26 losses on the season. They're only separated by three games. So from four to 13, you've got the Pelicans, Clippers, Mavericks, Suns, Timberwolves, Warriors, Jazz, Thunder, Trailblazers, and Lakers. All, all within three games of each other in the loss column. That is a traffic jam, man, right? Yeah, there's I mean, no you separation. Are That's why the Suns went from 12th to 7th in a, in a blink of an eye. In one week with a four-game winning streak, they jumped like five spots. And then, you know, again, one more winning streak, and then you're, you're in the top four spot with the home court advantage. It's crazy how quickly things can change based on a few wins here or there. It is crazy, and that this is what's so important for the Mavs now. Okay, not only have they lost seven of their last nine games, six of their upcoming upcoming opponents are the Suns, Utah twice, the Pelicans, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Timberwolves. All six of those games are in that cluster that I just mentioned. Ever since, so there's a lot of jockeying with, and that's what makes this game so important for the Suns too, is that they want to continue to, you know, rise above the other teams in in this kind of clump that they're in right now so that when they do get Booker back next week and when they get everybody back healthy and they keep everybody healthy, ideally the goal, I mean really, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think they could be the number four seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I Certainly, think the, I think the only ones that are out are probably one and two. Like, you're not going to catch the Nuggets. You're nine games behind them and you're probably not going to catch, catch Memphis. You're seven games behind them. I think that's the only two seed if you're talking seeding, I think that's the only two that are unattainable. Denver and Memphis at one and two. The Kings are at number three. You are right now Four games. three games behind them. Four games in the loss column, three loss games column. overall. Yeah, it's doable. That's yeah. doable with the amount of games left. But I don't think that the other two are. And again, Memphis and Denver, I have a lot of trust that those are good teams. They're going to win a lot more games. Sacramento's been great. But listen, it is, they could have a four-game losing streak as easily as anybody else. Yeah, no doubt. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. The NFL draft is a few months away, and given some of the top players in the mocks, where they play, meaning what position they play, could really benefit the Cardinals. And we'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
Lawrence and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Thursday afternoon. I am working from home. Gambo is there at the auction community studios yesterday. We had the first Mel Kuyper Jr. mock draft of the mock draft season. He did not project any trades. He's not doing that just yet. I'm sure at some point he will. He had the Cardinals taking Will Anderson, number three, the edge rusher out of Alabama. And, of course, that'd be a great outcome. There's a lot of potentially great outcomes to the first round of the draft for the Cardinals. Maybe it's Jalen Carter. Maybe it's Will Anderson. Maybe it's a trade down and more picks. There's a lot of different possibilities for the Cardinals here. But it's not just one pick, right? It's it's the multitude of picks you've got. I think Gambo asked me earlier, and I, I believe it's eight picks right now the Cardinals have overall in the draft. That's why I loved, loved, loved the story that Gambo found today about this draft and the positions in which it is expected to be strong. I think this is very important to talk about going forward. Agree. Because it's, it's not just about the guy you get in the first round. It's the second round pick. It's the two third round picks you have. You need to be able to score on multiple picks when you have as many positional needs as the Cardinals do. So what did this story tell us about where the highest number of the best players play which positions, you know, and, and, and how much of that kind of matches up with the Cardinals and their needs right now? All of them. I thought it was a, it's a, it seems like it's a great draft for what the Cardinals need. The Bleacher Report says the number one position in this draft, as you rank each positional group, is edge rusher. Cardinals need an edge rusher. Number two, defensive line. Cardinals need help on the defensive line. They need bulk stopping the run. Top four. Number four, offensive tackle. They need help a tackle. Number six is cornerback, which they need help at. So, you know, some of the key positions, especially the three out of the four, three out of the top four are offensive line, defensive line, and edge rusher. That's fantastic. A lot of depth at those positions. A lot of good players at that those positions. And they break it down even, even deeper, Burns. You're like, I'll just take offensive line. 13 of the players they have landed in the top 150 in the draft, including a hefty seven that had a grade of seven to 7.9 and two with marks above eight. That's very high. You go to the defensive line and it says this group had the second most among amount of prospects earned top 150 designations with a portion high 11 of them earning scores between seven and 7.9. Two stood above the rest. And they mentioned a lot about the players, which we can get to. But edge rusher, they said this class is absolutely loaded with capable edge defenders. No position is more represented in the top 150. So they are edge rusher, defensive line, offensive line. Great time to be the Cardinals in the draft with all the talent there is at those positions. No doubt about it. And and I mean, looking just out of curiosity, some of the other positions and where they rank, they, they have running back fifth. They have, um, you mentioned corner at six. They've got quarterback seventh. They've got tight end eighth. I don't think we need to worry about that anytime soon. Uh, they've got safety number nine. They've got linebacker number 10. Again, I don't think we need to worry about that anytime soon. Interior offensive line number 11. Now, I, I would suggest that 
Interior offensive line is a pretty important need for the Cardinals, too. I mean, I I get it tackles, but it does seem to me that moving forward, that's one of the few things I think you can count on next year positionally, is that D.J. Humphreys is going to be your left tackle, and I would assume, I would hope, Josh Jones is ready to be the right tackle. Now, again, new regime, new coaching staff, I don't know. They might evaluate him differently. But, man, everything anybody was saying last year was that Josh Jones is ready to go as a starting right tackle in this league. The problem with that, you think he would have done it by now, right? I mean, this is, what, his fourth year in the league? Is it his third or his fourth year in the league? I think it's his fourth. This will be his going in. I think this will be his fourth. He was the same class as Isaiah Simmons, right? So this is his fourth year. Okay, yeah. you're right. This is his yeah, fourth this year. This will be his fourth. So, I mean, we can sit here and say the previous coaching staff, oh, yeah, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. This is his fourth year in the league. I think if he was going to be a starter by now, he would have been a So I'll agree with you. Tackle is a need, but you look at the interior of the offensive line for the Cardinals, I mean, Justin Pugh probably maybe retiring. Rodney Hudson probably maybe retiring. Will Hernandez is a free agent. Who knows if he's coming back? They need interior offensive linemen, too, and it's not very deep for that, according to this story. Yeah, the Josh Jones thing is, is interesting, too, because how much of a time did we talk about the disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff? You know, maybe part of the, the, the sales pitch is that like, you've got good players here. We have to develop them. Like, there were good players here. You guys didn't do a good job developing them. I mean, I think that should be one of the pitches that the coach is selling. Like, you know, you, know, you didn't miss on every single one of these draft picks. You just didn't develop them the right way. And some of them obviously took a long time to develop. So, I mean, clearly we've seen that. And and sometimes, you know, like a Hassan Reddick situation, man, that is just brutal to think you had that guy and let him get away, and now he's such a dominant pass rusher. No doubt about it. And that's so we can talk about, you're right, evaluating the talent, but coaching the talent, too, means so much when it comes to this. Look, I'm I'm encouraged by this because I, I suspect that the Cardinals are going to end up with a ton of draft picks in this draft. Not just the ones they've already got, but I, I think more are coming if they decided to trade DeAndre Hopkins. More are coming if they decided to trade other players. The, the Bill Barnwell suggestion that we talked about earlier and we're going to talk about again, his idea of blowing up the entire team and really just focusing on the draft this year. I wouldn't be surprised if between that and the Cardinals maybe trading down from number three, if they don't end up with 10 or 11 picks this year in the NFL draft, to hear that this draft is good at the positions the Cardinals would so desperately need, I feel great about because it's not just getting Will Anderson in the first round. You need lots of edge rushing help. You need lots of offensive line help. And and maybe if this draft is strong in those positions, that bodes very well for the Cardinals moving forward. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, I like that. I mean, you, you know, if you if you don't give up any of your picks in a Sean Payton deal, you're going to have a really early pick in the second round, a really early pick in the third round. So you know, and listen, I, I would I would love nothing more than to just focus on the offensive line, defensive line and throw in a cornerback somewhere there and stay away from wide receivers, stay away from running back, stay away from tight end, stay away from safety just really just load up on those three or four positions throughout the entire draft yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be beneficial, and, and I'll tell you something else that it's just going to bear investigating, is that number three pick, and I know we, we, we've talked about it so much, we're going to continue to talk about it. Do you stay put, take the best player available, because th- there are going to be so many opportunities for them to move down and get such a wellspring of picks. I mean, so many choices, so many opportunities. Do you, you, know, you, you might lose out on one of those two defensive players, but you might get the best offensive lineman in this draft. You might get the best 
cornerback in this draft. You might be able to get additional second-round picks or third-round picks. You might have a whole war chest of picks going into the draft. That If we talk about the Patriot way, and you asked Jed Fish yesterday or two days ago about the Patriot way and what he learned about it from his time working with Monty Austin Fort with New England. One of the things about the Patriots that is the Patriot way is trading down lots of picks, right? And, and giving yourself as many swings of the bat that you can get to try to find difference-making players in the draft. That is very much a staple of the Patriot way, the way I see it when it comes to the success they've had there. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's hard. It's going to be, and I don't know what direction he's going to go. I can't wait till he talks about the draft, and I know he's not going to tip his hand because he's got to take calls from everybody out there, but, you know, how much do you, you know, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, how, how much do you view those guys as game-changing players compared to possibly getting four picks and having four shots at getting some really good players. But as we talk about a lot, man, you've got to nail some great players. You can't just have a bunch of good players. You've got to have some great players. Four-time Super Bowl champion and NFL legend Rob Gronkowski is bringing his Gronk Beach to Talking Stick Resort on February 11th. Gronk will bring his infamous end zone dance moves along with hip-hop star 21 Savage, Lil John, and much more. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets and for complete event details. There was a lot of movement in the NFL today, and there is a photo that is circulating online that bears a strong resemblance to a photo that once upon a time was circulating online the last time a prominent Peyton visited the Arizona Cardinals. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show.